Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Slutty scholars, guess what? I am so excited to announce that after six plus years of doing this show, I am planning my first live show and would love to meet you and see you there. I have teamed up with three of my past guests and friends to host Afternoon Delight, a live podcast experience on February 10th, 2024 in Hollywood, California. And don't worry if you aren't in LA or can't get to LA, even though it's a perfect Valentine's Day weekend getaway. We have a recorded option you can buy. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com for more info and tickets. We have early bird pricing until the end of the year. I'm hosting this event alongside some of the country's top sexologists and podcasters. We've got Dr. Tara of the Love Bites podcast, Dr. Nazanin Moali of Sexology podcast, and August McLaughlin of Girl Boner Radio. Between the four of us, we have the tools for having and maintaining great connection and satisfying sex, and we want to share them with you in person. Afternoon Delight will feature intimate, interactive conversations with us, plus audience Q&A, all designed to help you bring more sizzle, realness, and fun to your sex life. And the swag bags are something from your dreams. Go to adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your ticket for in-person delights and our at-home viewing. That's adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your early bird ticket today. A perfect holiday gift for anyone who prioritizes pleasure or wants to. Now to the episode. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Sydney Harris. They are a sexuality educator, artist, and writer located in Boise, Idaho. In early 2020, she founded the sex education website and social media page, Clitoricious, uh, where she has amassed an audience of almost 70K. Uh, Sydney also created the podcast Clit Talking, where she connects with guests and experts to chat about sexuality, mental health, bodies, and lots more. Recently, she started a new social media page and podcast called Awe, where she creates informative posts and discussions involving the broader topics of mental health, spirituality, sexuality, and art. Sydney hopes to continue to educate the masses, including you, and explore topics that expand minds and hearts through the works of Clitoricious and Awe. Welcome, Sydney. Hi there. So today we are going to talk about spirituality, body image, creativity, intimacy, and mental health, and wherever else we decide to go. Um, but I'd love to hear from you first, Sydney. So after doing your podcast, Clit Talking, as you reflect on it, what would you say are maybe the top or favorite things that you've learned about sex and pleasure? 
Oh, that's a good one. Um, I learned so much through my podcast just because it's such a more like authentic and like, um, what's the word? Like hands-on approach, I guess, to like learning. Cause you're really like getting into the nitty gritty of stuff instead of like, you know, just reading posts or, um, you know, learning through like social media, through other people. It's just like, it's really cool to like hear about people's experiences. Um, so I think one thing that I learned that I would definitely like take away, um, is that sex is so like, it can be experienced in so many different ways, like throughout your lifetime that like, it's, it's so hard to put it into any box. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like through all the conversations I had with people, like they don't have just like one opinion about sex. Like all of their opinions are so nuanced and because, you know, a lot of people have like negative sexual experiences as well as really positive ones. Um, a lot of people just don't have any relationship to sex. So it's just like fascinating to see how we're all like kind of intertwined with sexuality but like, I don't know it's also like kind of in the back burner of a lot of people's minds. And I just think it's interesting that it like drives a lot of people, but it also doesn't have to be a big thing if you don't want it to be. So I'm just trying to like open my mind to see like sexuality can be experienced in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the first questions I end up asking clients in my private practice is like, how do you define sex? And how mm -hmm. do you define pleasure? I mean, there's this sort of cliche definition that people often think of like penetration, but as we get more into it, there's so many ways to connect mm -hmm. sexually and in pleasure. And I keep learning about new ways as well. And I totally agree with you about podcasts being a great way to learn in a hands-on way because it's my favorite way to get sort of continuing education, I would say, unofficially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because I've been out of um, grad school for a bit now. I was enrolled at Widener University studying That's where I went. sexuality. Yeah, that, I was reading that about in your bio and I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I, was, I was in the, the dual program, the Master's of Social Work and the Human Sexuality program. Mm -hmm. And then my mental health just got so bad. So I had to move back home. And mm. so there's like always a part of me of like, what would my life be like if I was like able to continue that degree and like have access to like, you know, those databases and like those professors mm -hmm. and all, and like the, the classroom discussion. Like I do feel mm -hmm. like I miss that a bit, but at the same time, like I'm able to create that setting, um, like through my podcast and through my, my page, like on social media, like I can get like what you said, like the continuing education just from like, almost like I feel like it's more valuable getting it through like other people's perspectives that are not like just in academia, you know? Mm. So. Yeah. I mean, I had a good experience at Widener, but I would say that most of my learning, whether it was like my clinical degree for marriage family therapy or my human sexuality degree, I feel like I've learned more in practice mm -hmm. and in doing like experiential practice for myself to really like apply it outside of the classroom. Cause that's just like mm -hmm. how I learn. So 
I'm sure you and I could talk about Widener stuff at another yeah. time too. I don't know if our listeners want to hear about our, <laughs> uh, our grad school experiences and how stressful graduate school is. Um, yeah. they might, uh, cause they're <laughs> slutty scholars. Um, Mm-hmm. but it is a great school though. Like I, I enjoyed my experience for sure. Yeah. But grad school is a lot. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. had my, I had my mental health breakdown in undergrad. So I, yeah. I, uh, try, I think I got that out of the way a little earlier. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but so the podcast you had before clit talking, um, if you're comfortable answering, I'd love to hear, uh, what's your favorite thing about your clitoris and I'll answer mine too. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm wearing a clitoris necklace. I don't know if you can see that, mm-hmm. but it's like my, I wear it every day. Yeah. My favorite thing about my clitoris. Um, Ooh, I love that. It's kind of like mysterious in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, you know, where, where is, it? Where is yeah. it? Like there really is that like, okay. Like anatomically, I know where my clit is. Like I could point it out on a graph, on a graph, on a <laughs> diagram, whatever. And, um, but I think there's, there's part of me, like when I'm like engaging in like sex, there is like this part where like, it's not just like intuitive where like the perfect pleasure spot's going to be. And like, I think it's taught me a lot about like how to communicate with the people I'm having sex with. Like, yeah like you can like point to your clit but like they're not necessarily like you know there's the whole like oh sometimes your clit's uber sensitive and you don't want like a lot of stimulation there or sometimes you need like more stimulation so I just think it's interesting that it's kind of like my clitoris is like dynamic and it like Mm. changes and I like that when I learned that the clitoris was like engorged like the penis does that was like mind-blowing to me because like I could before I even knew that like I could like feel that happening you can like you know masturbate or have sex and just like feel your vulva like get bigger and I'm just like what is this like and part of me I'm like you know is something wrong with me because it's like inflamed or whatever Mm. but yeah for if you're happen to be tuning in for the first time or are new to this subject um as Sydney's talking about the clitoris um has erectile tissue um in fact when we're in utero uh different bits uh develop similarly and there's a lot of like analogous parts and so the clitoris can get erections um it can sort of lengthen um in uh, in size and a reminder for folks that it exists beyond just the part you can see um but yeah much like a penis it gets it gets boners <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i call them clip boners i think it's fun yeah it's totally fun mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, the thing I love about mine is a similar in the dynamic way. I feel like she teaches me to slow down, mm-hmm. um, not just like in sex, but in life, because I see like the pleasure potential um, being much broader and increasing when I am sort of slow and and start out really like listening. I mean, so, sometimes you could be rough with her and that's cool too. I like that mm-hmm. she's uh, diverse in that way. <laughs> you know, like she's, she's down for different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it teaches me to slow down. Um, and I'm, I'm constantly finding like new things that she likes. It much, it much feels like we're in a relationship, yeah. right? Like over the years, over the, whatever, like things sometimes change, some things stay the same. Um, but I'm like ongoing finding new things that she's into and i'm like oh my gosh i didn't know you were into that um <laughs> which i think is a great 
example for like how we should stay curious in relationships mm-hmm. of any kind. Yeah, for sure. And just knowing like how the aging process works, I know my clit's probably going to like change even more over time. So mm-hmm. it is really like having a relationship, like you have to like, you know, adapt with each other and like grow with each other and figure out, you know, what you guys need. But it's, I don't know. It is kind of fun to think about it as like this relationship because it adds a little bit more like deepness and intimacy to sex or just like not even sex, just like our bodies in general. Like I'm able to like tune into this part of me where I'm like, it's like the center of pleasure and joy and sensation and like love and all these cool things. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've just been like really trying to be more aware of like what my, what different parts of my body represent and like how they affect me on a daily basis. Cause I don't think I've, I've never really been like in tune with my body beyond like doing sports in like high school and stuff, but mm. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. So after doing your podcast, um, you know, quit talking and that seemed to be a little more like sex education, more specific. Um, I'm curious what made you want to start integrating spirituality mm-hmm. in your brand and in your platform. And I guess to start that off, how do you define spirituality? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. Cause it's something I've been pondering for the past two years or so, especially mm-hmm. spirituality to me is just my my connection with myself and my connection with anything outside and beyond me anything mm-hmm. that i am unaware of or that's out of my control mm-hmm. and i think spirituality to me is in a sense it's integrating not just rituals like spiritual woo woo rit- rituals but here's my day these are the things i do it actually caused me to structure my day differently because Spirituality makes me realize all the things that I need to take care of myself to be spiritually balanced, emotionally balanced, physically balanced. Mm-hmm. It's made me a lot better about feeding myself at the right times and sleeping well and doing my hobbies. It's been like holding me accountable. But I didn't, I was actually atheist agnostic from age 10 till last summer. Mm-hmm. So spirituality is a very new thing for me. So I still am kind of discovering what it means. But basically last July, I was going, I'd been going through like a really long depressive episode that had been going on. I don't even know how long, like years. Mm-hmm. And I gotten really bad, I think due to the pandemic and everything. Yeah. And I was having some lots of relationship turmoil. And I didn't know at the time, but I was later diagnosed with bipolar one disorder. Mm, That must've been clarifying. Yes. So at the time last year, I wasn't diagnosed till November of last year. Mm. But so this whole time I was just like really depressed. And then, but I knew there was like more to it and I couldn't figure it out for the longest time. There were moments where I'm like, I could be bipolar, but I don't really think I am. And then in July last year, I had this, super sudden spiritual awakening 
moment that obviously it would be too much to go into detail of, but basically... You're welcome to if you want to share. (laughs) Basically, I was listening to music standing in my kitchen and I all of a sudden just broke down crying on the floor and like got into a fetal position. All of my memories from like being born up till that current point Mm -hmm. flashed before my eyes in like a perfect like timeline. And it was just like so bizarre. And I I still don't know how long I was in that position or how long it went on. I think it was probably not more than like 10 minutes, but I came out of it and I literally like saw the world from a completely different perspective. And I like felt this peace and like, I was getting like a giant hug from the universe And I had like never felt something like that. Like I, it felt like, because up to that point, I had been begging the universe to help me because I had no idea what to do. And I think what, what kind of triggered that experience too, was I had been doing um, ketamine treatments with my psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Was it helpful? Um, It was, um, it was up till, to a point Mm -hmm. um, where like it, I think it really like helped me. I had done therapy for so long, like talk therapy. And so I was like, this is working. I'm on meds and it's like kind of working like, but I'm still so depressed. So I needed to like seek like deeper healing, which is when I um, found like ketamine and was like, okay, I'm going to try this. Like, it's really like scary because it's like this drug that, is was used as like a horse tranquilizer at one point and but it caused me to like really confront all of my traumas and all of my like shadow parts and Mm. everything that I was avoiding Mm -hmm. um in my healing Mm -hmm. and so I think it really helped and then I it did I think trigger the spiritual awakening and then after that which is when I don't know if the ketamine was helping anymore. Mm -hmm. I continued to like do my treatments, but then unknowingly I was like pushed straight into mania, which I had never experienced like full blown before. Um, so then I just started being in a manic episode, like, and this man, what did that look like for you? For me, this was like, I stopped, taking care of myself. I stopped sleeping. I spent a bunch of money on stuff that I didn't need, but I felt like I needed for some reason. Um, all my relationships fell apart because I was just being so erratic and couldn't stop talking. Um, I would just do impulsive things like drive over the speed limit. Mm. Um, I wouldn't clean my house. I didn't clean my house for like months and it got to the point where like, I just, it was unlivable Mm. and it was like a terrifying experience because it happened. What was terrifying about it was like, all this was happening. And from an outside perspective, this would like obviously set off so many, like, Oh my God, she needs help. But like, I didn't feel like I needed help. I felt like on top felt of great. the world. Yeah. I felt like I had superpowers. I felt like... That's why a lot of people don't want to take medication when they're yeah. diagnosed with bipolar because it's um, the manic pieces feel so good. 
Exactly. So I was literally destroying my life in all, all ways, all directions while simultaneously like feeling the most euphoria I have ever felt, Mm. which caused me to not get help until I, my manic episode then turned into a psychotic episode where then I started hearing things, seeing things, um, doing things that like voices would tell me to do. Mm. And like, this was in November. So it'd been like a year ago to Mm. this day. So like, I haven't even been like, it hasn't even been like a year since I've like gone through this. And, but during the psychosis was when I had all of these other spiritual experiences, which I'm still trying to like piece together to this day. Mm. Um, Like I just had a lot of like me seeing like my traumas from the past, like really vividly and um, having voices like tell me like really intense like lessons about life and all of these like weird Mm. different other things and it was like very confusing because still to this day I that was the most terrifying like moment of my life like few weeks of my life um but it was also like I learned so much that like I'm I completely live my life differently now. I'm, I'm, I'm not like the healthiest I've ever been. Mm. So it's very confusing. <laughs> I mean, it brings up such an interesting topic of like, what is our concept of mental health versus spiritualism? Um, mm. I remember I took a class on this in my undergrad um, all about this. And it's sort of like, you know, depending on which culture you live in, something could get diagnosed as a mental health disorder or something could be like, whoa, you're a prophet, you're a saint, you are a um, communicator with the dead, you know, like people who hear voices, people who have, um, you know, visions mm-hmm. um, in some religions and spiritualities. It's like, whoa, you're connected with the divine, mm-hmm. right? And then at other times, it's like, whoa, you are having a time, you are not well, you need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such an interesting line to walk and i think it's very related to like how we view yeah this line between mental health and and spiritualism yeah for sure i i've been reading just trying to like understand it more for myself i've been reading a lot of like blogs and articles about what you just talked about like that connection Mm -hmm. and how sometimes the lines are really blurred where Mm -hmm. like is someone like having a spiritual awakening or are they psychotic? Like it's because or both or both. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, um, you know, and then I was hospitalized for about a week, um, that time, but like, I don't know. I just, I still think that like, I definitely should have got like the help I got. Mm. And like been in like the institution I was to help me like get on the right meds and get, you know, connected with a doctor who could like observe me for the next whatever time and like, and like be around other people who were also like had mental health stuff going on who actually like when I was in the mental health, mental health hospital, that's when I really, I really like felt like I belonged there. Like that's what makes me realize like, 
yes, it probably was a spiritual experience, but it also was a mental health crisis because Mm -hmm. I connected so much with these people. And a lot of them happened to also be really spiritual, which I've, you probably know about this too. I don't know. There's like a lot of connection with people who, um, have bipolar or have mental health struggles and then like become spiritual or just like naturally inclined to be connected to like, um, other things, but I'm not sure. Now a little bit about our sponsors at Fleur. Picture this, a late night chat on my new favorite Fleur dating app with Josh from New York. The dim glow of our screens, the anticipation hanging in the air, Josh's words like a dance perfectly navigating the realms of excitement and understanding. As the conversation unfolded, he revealed a shared passion for exploring desires openly. His words were full of encouragement and resonated with my own desires. In the tapestry of our messages, I felt a connection that went beyond the ordinary. Talking about kinks and experiments has never been so easy. The thrill was palpable, and as our chat ventured into uncharted territories, I found myself embracing the freedom to be shamelessly me. It wasn't just about desires, it was about connecting with someone who truly got it. That's the magic of Fleur. It goes beyond the ordinary, providing a space where genuine connections happen. I have a friend who always dreamed of trying something new with her partner, and the fear of judgment held her back. Now I know what to advise her. Join Fleur and find people who share your kinks free from judgment. Don't just imagine. Experience the pleasure of being yourself. Download Fleur now and dive into a world where desires meet open-minded souls. I discovered the thrill of Fleur, the sex-positive dating app, and it has been a fun game changer. Join me there and try it yourself. Check out Fleur.com or on the App Store or on Google Play. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, I I think what what I've seen, and I'm, I'm not looking at it from a research perspective, just from my like experiences, kind of like we're talking about that sort of confusion between like, hmm, am I leaning into spirituality and being like making meaning of something because mm-hmm. my brain is, um, you know, having a, a mental health crisis or, or is this, you know, mental health thing opening up, uh, something for me that is allowing me to see the bigger picture, um, or potentially, um, you know, having this experience that is now allowing me to think, well, how do I want to integrate um, a bigger, more existential support system mm-hmm. um, in my life of like, why, why does this happening? Like to make sense of the world. So I, I've seen it kind of go both ways. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm curious where sex was, sex and pleasure was fitting in um, through this process, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um so sometimes, you know, for folks listening, if you're not familiar with bipolar, like sometimes those manic things can also lead folks to um, feel more sexual um, mm-hmm. or potentially do riskier sexual things. Um, and then the depressive episode is like maybe no sex at all. Um, but then also with medication, things can shift. Um, mm-hmm. If you're comfortable answering, I'd love to know like where sex and pleasure fit in to this process. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... Sex and pleasure for me, along with spirituality, have been ever since I've like realized that I'm a much more spiritual person than I thought. And I realized that like it's always kind of been tied to my sexuality as well. Mm. Um, 
And I think about like, like when I was an undergrad, that's when I first started being like more sexually active and like kind of involved in like hookup culture and things like that. And I just remember feeling like really like depleted the more I would like have sex kind of like meaningless sex with people. Mm -hmm. But I also was like getting this like intense fulfillment out of it. So it was like very contradictory to me because like there were a lot of moments where looking back, if I had known that I had bipolar and that I had like these tendencies to be like hypersexual or like, I just, it would, it just makes so much sense because like I would seek out sexual encounters with people, but like not even know really why I was doing it. I just Mm. felt like, like it wasn't intentional. Yeah. Like I was just like on autopilot and I'm like, Mm. I guess I'm just going to have sex again. Um, and I think over time that really, that builds up a lot of like, well, there was like multiple like actual traumas, but like micro traumas with like, when I'm going into sex with like, not with the intention that like, oh, I'm just fulfilling this thing, this hype. I don't know. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but I just don't think that I knew how damaging I was to myself. And I was kind of justifying it by saying like, oh, like I'm just an empowered woman who's like experiencing her sexuality and like being free and like, which was true to an extent, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was like an empowered woman who was like free with my body and was able to explore how I wanted to. But at the same time, there was this kind of like toxic effect that was definitely tied to my hypersexuality with my bipolar. Um, And so then I started having a lot of like panic attacks associated with sex. Like I would engage in sex with people. And before I was able to like do anything, I would just start Mm. crying Mm. and I had no idea why until Mm. I kind of figured out later on how much like the body stores trauma and all these things. Mm. Um, so what, what do you think was the message it was sending? Just like, we're not really wanting to be here or do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it was just like my body telling me like, Hey, like, listen, (laughs) listen to me. Like you don't really want to be having sex right now. You just feels obligated for some reason. Mm. Um, wherever that was coming from. And because I knew that because it was multiple times I would like, engage in try to engage in sex with other with people and i would just it wouldn't be like just about that person it would just be like my body was telling me to like almost like be more careful about who i'm pursuing sex with and i that's when i started realizing that like maybe sex to me and not for everyone but to me is like more intertwined with my spirituality and with like Mm -hmm. just, I don't know. I think to me it needed to be deeper for some reason in order for me to not have these 
like panic reactions and feel like I wasn't doing my body or giving my body what it really needed or deserved. Something that I that I see have seen for myself or that I work on with clients as well is, you know, most of us are taught not to listen to our body um, in this culture. You know, it doesn't really doesn't really serve capitalism to slow down and listen to our body because then we might not be able to produce and perform as Mm -hmm. much as is expected of us in the way our current culture sort of operates. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that body voice can sometimes be very quiet or it's Mm -hmm. just like a language that you're not used to hearing or speaking or listening to. And so sometimes it has to get really fucking loud for us to start listening. Um, kind of like just a person, right? Like if you're trying to talk, if somebody's trying to talk to you and you're not listening to them, they might get louder and louder and louder until they're screaming, like, I'm right fucking here. Like, why aren't you listening to me? Uh, pay attention. And so I think sometimes it does have to get really loud for us to be like, Oh, I didn't even realize you were, you were saying something Mm -hmm. or I I heard you, but I wasn't really listening. That is so true. I've, I've had so many experiences with that. Like I had like a period of time when I just had like these anger spells like this where out of nowhere, I would just become like infuriated and I just felt the need to like scream Mm. and I had no idea where it was coming from. And it was just like a period of like really deep depression. And I think it was just what I've, kind of realized is like a lot of times when my body is my brain and my body when I'm like really sad about something my body like produces anger or like externalizes it as anger Mm. instead of like just like sometimes I've like cried so much that like that wasn't enough for my body to tell me I'm sad so now I have to like scream about it Mm. yeah so really your body really will tell you when you're like not if you're ignoring something, if you're not paying attention to what it needs. Um, but the hardest part for me is like figuring out what that thing is. Right. To like fix it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes we can't exactly know what it is, but I find that I usually have the answer, but it requires a lot of like slowing down Mm -hmm. and being patient. And so I think it's easy for folks to be like, well, I don't know. You know, and it's sort of this quick answer of like, I don't know what I need. I don't know. And if I at least personally sort of really slow down and have like a embodied conversation with myself, it usually reveals itself, but it takes longer than I would like it to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're talking more like half hour to an hour, maybe more. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of us often don't give ourselves that time. Mm-hmm. Um you mentioned taking medication now. And again, listeners, we're not advising you to take or not take. That is a question to bring up with your therapist and your doctor. Um, But I know a lot of folks who don't want to take medication, like we said, Mm -hmm. with things like bipolar, um, because maybe they like the way that the mania feels. um, But a lot of folks I also know don't want to take medication because they're worried about sexual side effects. Mm -hmm. um, And they're also worried that it will dull their creativity. Um, and I noticed that you also are, are sort of expanding on creativity and art in your mm-hmm. new sort of projects. Um, how do you feel like medication has shown up for you in terms of sexuality and creativity? Um, 
yeah, what are your feelings on it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I think that for me, sexuality has like my medications have doled it a bit, but for me, like I think it's like the pros and cons like the I would rather be like somewhat depressed and not anywhere near mania because like I think being in ma- being in mania is so much more terrifying than being depressed. Maybe I'm just more comfortable with being depressed. Mm. But I think the medication for me have just uh, gave me the ability to just find this balance where um if I start inching towards mania, like I can like feel the medication like bringing me back down, like grounding me. Mm. Um, and I could definitely feel like if I forget to take my meds for a day or two, like I can start to feel myself like ramping up mm-hmm. and that's when I start like getting really scared. And, um, so I think for me, it's like, I would rather have like less of a sex drive mm-hmm. and just be able to like actually maintain like a steady relationship. Like I've, I've had a boyfriend for, well, since last December when I came out of the hospital, (laughs) it's a different story, but, um, it's allowed me to like maintain a relationship in a healthy way. And like, we still have like a really healthy sex life. And so I don't think that the medication has taken that away, but there are definitely moments where I'm like, I know that if I was like manic or even like hypomanic, I would be feeling this on like another level. But to me, that's like, it's not worth it enough to even like Mm. want that. Yeah. That makes sense. And just for folks listening, I did have a episode talking more about bipolar um, back with uh, Alessandra Torresani. You can go back and check it out, but um, there are different types of bipolar um, type one, type two. And the word um, that Sydney just used hypomanic means like a manic episode, but it's not, I mean, it's sort of a crude definition, but not as intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still some of the things that you were describing happening, but it's um, a little less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with that, but it's, that's no, sort of totally. my, my easy definition. Yeah, it's um, even harder to detect too, because that's when, like when I'm hypomanic is when I'm like most creative. Yeah, you're like, example. I'm the best, right? <laughs> yeah, I can like really produce like mm-hmm. works of art in like an efficient way and like yeah. my mind just a lot more clear when it comes to creativity Mm. um so that is i have to really like with the meds i really have to like create that setting and that space for myself both like externally like in my environment and like in my mind to like tune into my creativity it's just a little bit more like well it sounds um, like you have to curate it a little bit more yeah you have to curate it more and like be a little more intentional about it rather than like having it just come naturally. Yeah. Any tips for folks around doing that with art and sex, right? And I think this could apply to people who are on medication that can, um, you know, affect their desire and and arousal, um, as well as, you know, for folks who have more responsive desire. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you don't know what that is, I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, so, uh, (laughs) check it out. Um, but yeah, do you feel like there's anything that's been helpful for you to sort of curate those moments to sort of invite your desire to the party 
as opposed to, you know, maybe before it was, it was more just like readily available, but -hmm. I hear that you can still access it. So what kind of helps you tap into it and, and create that space? Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, like the structure and consistency in my life that I've developed has actually like created more space for intimacy and sex and connection with my partner and myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because like, for example, last year when I came out of the hospital, I was, it took me a really long time to get to a place where I even was like going to bed at the same time, like eating regularly. So like my whole time was consumed with just trying to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so there wasn't as much space for like intimacy. So now like me and my partner have this kind of flow that we've created. We have like a spreadsheet for it even, Mm. but basically we, we make like our schedule set. So like we go to bed at the same time and we're able to like lay next to each other in bed and like talk to each other and like have that like actual connection because, Mm -hmm. um, and I think something that's also helped with that is like cutting out drinking Mm -hmm. in the evenings, um, which is like substances and bipolar are very volatile (laughs) together. I mean, like to an, yeah, to an extent, but basically alcohol is just not helpful in the situation. And because it kind of like just makes me want to go straight to bed. So now that I've cut that out, I'm like able to, like have that have the capacity in my brain and my body for sex and also now I have the structure so me and my partner are like on the same page about like when we can be intimate and it's Mm -hmm. like you know well like it's not that there's not room for spontaneous moments like there always are Mm -hmm. but I think for me like I'm actually having like more sex now that I'm like not like manic honestly or like depressed i guess too but like the quality is better and you're not the quality is better yeah it feels more fulfilling i don't know if this is like a jump but i feel like to me it's almost the same thing as like why people think that they prefer sex with a new partner where you have new relationship energy versus Mm -hmm. someone you've been with for 20 years Mm -hmm. um the way it was explained to me recently by a guest is like you know, the cocktail of hormones that happens in your body with a a new partner, that, that new energy, um, is very exciting, but it's also accompanied by fear and insecurity and like the sort of drop, um, which can be very tantalizing, right? This sort Mm -hmm. of like intense excitement, like a manic episode, Mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, sex with someone you've been with for 10, 20 years. It's like, oh, well that's boring. Or that's like, oh, it's not as good. I wish we could go back to what it was. Um, but if you work at it and are intentional about it, you actually can have wonderful pleasure re- responses that may actually be better that aren't accompanied by fear and insecurity mm-hmm. um, and are you know more connected and in flow and, and you're able to do a lot more with that. So I, I almost see this like parallel. I don't know what you think yeah. about that. No, I think that's definitely true. I think I'm I'm definitely the one who like it's the responsive desire. Like I, I'm almost like always down for sex, but like the other person usually has to like bring it up or initiate it. Um, so that's just something I've like 
learn for myself, but like now having this structure and like the strong connection with another person, it just, Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel like a lot of effort for me to like get in the mood or anything because I'm just like all the boxes are already checked off. Like I don't have to like, Mm. you know, um, I'm already feeling like safe and happy and fulfilled. And so it's just like easier to engage in sex, I guess. You also mentioned in some of your work that this sort of dive into spirituality has helped with body image. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious where sort of the way you feel about your body um, has changed or shifted as you've leaned more into this spiritual or um, gotten more support on some of these mental health things. Like how has your relationship with your body changed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my, my relationship with my body, it's definitely, I think I started on the journey of really like unpacking and unlearning like all the the bad stuff that we're taught to think about our bodies. I started that probably like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, where I really started being like, I think what, what really ticked it off was like, I have, I had always struggled with like hormonal acne, like cystic acne. Mm-hmm. And I got into the point where like, I realized how much it was affecting my like self-esteem and the way I felt about myself, the way I saw myself. And like, I couldn't leave my bedroom without having like a full face of makeup on mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became like almost like debilitating the way I felt about how I looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point on, once I started like, I took a bunch, I was on Accutane for my skin. So like, that's a really intense medication Yeah, that like, it's supposed to like solve your acne if you've tried everything else basically. Um, so I did that and it did help. Um, but that it also like caused me to be more depressed. And this was when I was in undergrad. And so at that point I was like kind of getting my acne better, but then I started like gaining weight Mm. and I had always, when I was growing up, I was actually like made fun of for being like too skinny, quote unquote. Like Mm. I remember one kid like told me I had chicken legs and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So when in college, when I started gaining weight was when I started really being like, like actually seeing my body in a different way. And I started like getting like this fear response Mm -hmm. almost that, oh, what if I just keep getting bigger and I can't control it? Cause I had never like seen my body change in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some people might call it like a second puberty or something like that. Like when, Mm. you know, I'd started like filling out in different places and stuff and like holding my fat in different areas. Um, but then like, I just started digging deeper into like why I felt this way. Like why why was it so bad to be fat? Like, why was that such a bad word or a bad thing? And I think just being involved in like the, the body positive body neutral, neutral, like, um, community on social media really helped just like Mm -hmm. seeing how, you know, like I'm not really like the spokesperson to be for like a body positive movement necessarily. Cause I'm like, 
not like plus size or whatever, but I just, I think I've been able to learn so much about how my body is, it's so much more than just like a sack of meat, which like Mm. some people have described like body. Oh, we're just like a sack of bones or a sack of meat. And I think like what spirituality has taught me is that like we're bodies are so much more than that. Like what we're made of is like almost like magical. And every time I like look at my body in a negative way, which is obviously going to happen still because I don't, I'm never going to be like totally completely positive about my body every second, but I'm just able to kind of come back to like feeling this interconnectedness with like myself and everyone around me. And that we all have like these beautiful bodies that allow us to do incredible things. Like I can make stuff with my hands. I can play my guitar and make music and art and like, Mm. Like when I play music, it like accesses a part of my soul that like only music can do, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that's what I can do with my body. So I think I just have like a greater appreciation for the things that allows me to do rather than like seeing like my aesthetic limitations or like my physical limitations or, um, even with my, my mental health, I think like for a long time, I, I said like, Oh, I hate my brain. I wish I had a different brain. Which is also like very body negative, even though some people like separate body and brain. But like, I was being so hard on myself that I think I was just making it so much worse Mm -hmm. um, by wishing for a different brain when, you know, like my having bipolar is a very challenging thing that I'll always have to deal with. Um, But I think that kind of not not seeing it as like this poison inside of me rather than just kind of like this other person or other thing I kind of have to like live with. And sometimes we don't really get along mm-hmm. um, rather than like this thing that I'm cursed with or something, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really helped me just be more positive about how I see myself in general. Mm. So, Yeah. Yeah. And for folks listening, if you want to hear more about body neutrality, um, go back to a recent episode with Jesse Neeland um, and you can learn all about it. Um, Well, Sydney, thank you so much for sharing your personal story and your experiences. Um, It's always healing for me to hear people who I um, admire and respect on like a colleague level share their personal stuff because I think in our culture where at least me was very much taught, like, don't show anyone your weak, you know, quote unquote weaknesses, your issue, you mm-hmm. know, whatever they are. And so that's been an unlearning. And so it's always, um, and it, when somebody is vulnerable, it's always an invitation for me to be like, oh, that just makes me like, like, and appreciate a person more, um, as opposed to the old thinking that I have that it will push people away. So I'm right. really grateful for your willingness to, to share all these experiences. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You have such amazing questions and insights. So I'm just I'm glad to be here and learn from you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, how can folks get in touch, uh, follow your new projects and whatever you're working on? Yeah. However you'd like people to, to stay, stay in contact. Yeah. So you can, you can find me on social media, either 
at Clitoritius or at the World of Awe. Um, and so those are kind of like my two projects going on right now. And I also have a website, www.theworldofawe.com. Um, but yeah, just be on the lookout for like more posts from me revolving like mental health, spirituality, sexuality, and art. I'm just trying to like expand what I talk about. And so I'm just so grateful that I've been like, you gave me the space today to kind of, I haven't really talked about my spirituality a lot, like, like put it out there in the world. So this has been like very healing for me as well to be able to share that in this space. So, yeah. Well, I'm biased um, and I'm not going to tell you what to have on your show, but um, selfishly, I would love to hear you interview some people about what we were talking about in terms of like mental health versus spiritualism. Mm, and like the yeah. research behind that, because that was very interesting to me. So if you ever interview anyone like that, please let me know. <laughs> yeah, that would be very fascinating. I'll definitely put that on my list to do. Yeah, the um, one of the professors I had um, in undergrad, uh, her name was Tanya Lerman. Um, mm-hmm. And she t- had this class that was talking a little bit about this. And it was just so interesting. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll reach out to Tanya. <laughs> yeah, just let me know. Yeah. I would love to have a conversation about that and learn more because I'm still in like self-discovery mode and still trying to piece together kind of everything that happened to me and is still happening to me. So, Slutty scholars, guess what? I am so excited to announce that after six plus years of doing this show, I am planning my first live show and would love to meet you and see you there. I have teamed up with three of my past guests and friends to host Afternoon Delight, a live podcast experience on February 10th, 2024 in Hollywood, California. And don't worry if you aren't in LA or can't get to LA, even though it's a perfect Valentine's Day weekend getaway, we have a recorded option you can buy. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com for more info and tickets. We have early bird pricing until the end of the year. I'm hosting this event alongside some of the country's top sexologists and podcasters. We've got Dr. Tara of the Love Bites podcast, Dr. Nazanin Moali of Sexology podcast, and August McLaughlin of Girl Boner Radio. Between the four of us, we have the tools for having and maintaining great connection and satisfying sex, and we want to share them with you in person. Afternoon Delight will feature intimate, interactive conversations with us, plus audience Q&A, all designed to help you bring more sizzle, realness, and fun to your sex life. And the swag bags are something from your dreams. Go to adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your ticket for in-person delights and our at-home viewing. That's adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your early bird ticket today. A perfect holiday gift for anyone who prioritizes pleasure or wants to. Now to the episode. Well, thank you so much for joining. Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars on X slash Twitter mm-hmm. at Sluts Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Uh, please rate and review. It is very helpful to keep the podcast going and check out those advertiser discounts because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you so much. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. 
the podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.